Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. She has not yet left, but she's already nostalgic for something that has been lost. And I'm hoping that reading a novel like this and people thinking about how their ancestors came and the, the bravery it took and the bad conditions it took for them to want to escape from those countries mm-hmm. are, are pertinent today. Marion O'Shea Wernicke's new novel, Out of Ireland, is out this week. The St. Louis native's first novel, titled Towards That Which is Beautiful, drew on the 11 years she served as a Catholic nun in St. Louis and Peru. For Out of Ireland, Marion was inspired by the life of her great-grandmother. The the book focuses on a brother-sister pair who leave the Emerald Isle in the late 1860s to emigrate to St. Louis. And Marion joins us now to tell us about the story and its real-world inspirations. Marion, thanks for coming back to the show to talk with us today. Hi, Elaine. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just thrilled to be talking to St. Louis uh, audience because I'm a St. Louis girl. The way that this book uh, is set up is that it is a, a novel that has two protagonists, and they are siblings, Eileen and Michael O'Sullivan. At the start of the book, they are 16 and 18 years old, respectively, and we get to know them over the course of almost four years, which uh, at that time, or at that age, can be a very long time. Um, Both brother and sister end up wanting to escape Bantry, um, Ireland, and each is running from different problems. And this is a a sophomore effort uh, by Marion, whose first uh, novel, was one that she discussed um, on our show with Sarah Fensky uh, just a couple years ago. And at that time, uh, Marion had suggested perhaps this was the book that she was working on. So uh, both of them, both Eileen and Michael, want to leave Bantry. They've both got different problems. Uh, Marion, what is Eileen dealing with that she wants to be freed of? Yes, Eileen is being not uh, asked, but rather forced to marry an older widower whom she does not really know, uh, but he has the farm next to her mother's farm. And so for economic reasons, her mother and brother have engineered this marriage. He's an older widower, and she's 16 years old, and Mm -hmm. she loves books, she loves to study, and she's not ready for marriage. So she's horrified of course and she goes to her brother Michael with whom she's the closest she also has an older brother Martin right um, and asks for help and so the two of them try to figure this out but that's the problem she's facing Mm -hmm. she's not in charge of her own life at this point 
And Michael, he too has his own motivations for looking um, far away. He's involved with the Irish Republican Brotherhood, an organization that's dedicated to overthrowing British rule in Ireland. What is the specific issue that he is facing? Well, Michael is very passionate about the independence of Ireland. And he has participated in an action that took place shortly before the novel is supposed to be opening in 1867, where a group of uh, people in near Cork attacked a British garrison. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately for them, uh, it was repelled rather easily by the overwhelming British force. <clears throat> so uh, he's, he's very um, in danger because he's been a part of this, and this is an illegal activity. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's determined to do his part. He's a young, kind of hot-headed, impetuous character. And it's interesting to me, I don't know anything in real life about my great-grandmother's brother, except mm-hmm. that she had some brothers. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally making this, this is fictional, of okay. course. Um, <laughs> so does that mean that your family did not have any connections whatsoever with the Irish Republican Brotherhood? N- not that I know of, okay. no. So this is, this is, he grew in my novel as I wrote, and I was uh. kind of surprised that, that he was becoming such a main character, but it was very interesting to follow his progress to me. And I have to have them both ending up in St. Louis, which they do because he has to get out of the country because of his activities. Sure. So they're both seeking independence of different kinds at this point. That's true. Right. Very true. I mean, right. both Eileen and Michael are quite young. Um, I'd mentioned yes. earlier, the the novel begins with Eileen being 16 and Michael 18. Does this mean that this book is a, a young adult novel? I mean, I, <laughs> I know that you taught you know, junior college for many years. Why did you start with these characters at, at those ages? Well, because according to the family history, that's the age at which my great-grandmother was forced to marry. So Uh I wanted to keep as close as possible. And this novel only covers the first five years of of their, uh, from 1867 till about um, 1872. Mm -hmm. So it's the these two young people who are immigrants. And Elaine, I heard the last part of your previous interview. It's so uh-huh. ironic that we're still dealing yes. with these problems with accepting immigrants. And I wanted this novel to be a, a testimony to all our people came as immigrants, unless mm-hmm. we're Native American. Sure. So uh, we, we've kind of forgotten that. And I, I'm hoping that reading a novel like this and people thinking about how their ancestors came and the the bravery it took and the bad conditions it took for them to want to escape from those countries mm-hmm. are are pertinent today. You know, what you're talking about here um, is I have a question about the story and the characters. And we do know that um, Eileen's story was inspired by your great-grandmother, but Marion, how much of of this novel was story first and characters first? How did that work? Well, it, that's a good question because I kind of had the skeleton of the plot from the few facts that I knew about my great-grandmother. 
Um, and that basically came from my mother, who often, who had lived there, her, her grandmother, my great-grandmother, had lived with them once she was a widow in mm-hmm. St. Louis. And she was my mother's friend. My mother grew up in a large family, the Ward family, um, with eight children. My mother and her twin brother were the second youngest. Okay. And their grandmother lived with them. And she was my mother's defense against her older brothers. <laughs> so on stormy nights, she would jump into bed with her grandmother. So she was very close to her, and she was there with her when she was dying in the house. Right. And the prologue is actually a scene that my mother described to me. Oh. Um, so uh, I, I did have these few facts that mm-hmm. I knew of that she had married, that they had a child, that they emigrated to the United States, and then tragedy takes place. I don't want to give the book away. Of course. (laughs) But I had to imagine her inner life, Elaine. Mm -hmm. You know, what was a kid, a young woman like this feeling and undergoing, and what spunk it took Mm -hmm. for her to make this change, and for Michael. And Michael gets involved down the wrong paths. He's involved in crime when he gets to St. Louis. Right. And that was a part of the novel I really had to research because I wasn't aware of these Irish gangs. And and I don't know if some of your listeners know of that, but Mm -hmm. there were very powerful, the Hogan gang, the Egan gang. um, And they were getting involved politically, too, and they were raising money for the cause in Mm -hmm. Ireland. So it was kind of a romantic view of their criminal activities. Right. So, (laughs) yeah. We're talking with author Marion O'Shea Wernicke about her new novel, Out of Ireland, which is available at booksellers now. The book focuses on a brother-sister pair who leave the Emerald Isle in the late 1860s to emigrate to St. Louis. The story was inspired in part by the life of Marion's great-grandmother. Marion, I'd love to have you read a passage from the book, um, page 124. And at this point in the novel, Eileen is still living in Bantry, Ireland. She's at home one night with her son, Thomas, when uh, an Irish Republican Brotherhood leader comes into the house demanding answers about Michael's whereabouts. As he leaves, he threatens Eileen saying that he'd hate for something to happen to her home and her son. Later that night, as Eileen reflects on the man's threat, she considers the option of leaving Ireland for America. Marion, if you could read for us, we'd love that. Yes, thank you so much, Elaine. Gazing into the dying embers of the hearth, Eileen wept to think that her family had split apart so since the death of their mother. She pictured Christmases when they were children gathering on Christmas Eve with cousins and aunts and uncles linking arms as they skipped down the hill toward St. Finbar's and Midnight Mass, and then home to drink hot milk flavored with nutmeg and cinnamon, devouring the spice cake her mother made each Christmas. They'd seldom had gifts other than an orange and maybe a ribbon for her and a new pocket knife or toy for her brothers but her mother had kept them warm and fed and laughing until at last she chewed them off to bed and they'd fallen asleep under the handmade quilts listening to the wind sigh around the eaves of the cottage. What strange life would they be bringing their little son to in America with only one uncle nearby? Sweet mother of God, she prayed, 
Help us now in the hour of our need. You too had to flee to a strange place and bring forth your son with only the animals for company. So, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, this was, was very evocative and made me think of, you know, she has not yet left, but she's already nostalgic for something that Correct. has been lost. <laughs> Uh, yes. And then, you know, moving away, um, obviously, especially at that time, there's no FaceTime or anything like that. No um, kidding. Yeah. Yeah, that it really means um, separating in a very particular way. Was what you wrote about here inspired in part by stories that were passed down or were they the result of things that you read as you were researching for the book? Well, it's it's some of both, but mainly that's the interesting thing about writing historical fiction. You have to do a lot of research ahead of time, and of course I did. My husband and I even went to Bantry and looked around, and we, we saw the big house there earned, owned by the Earl of Bantry. Mm-hmm. But somehow that has to get uh, down, woven into with your own imagination. Right. So this scene, of course, is perfectly imaginary. I have no idea, but I'm imagining, in based on what I know of her and what I know of the times, and kind of weaving this all together so that it doesn't feel heavily like history, but like a story that's taking place in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the trick of historical fiction, not showing your research so obviously, but weaving it into this story. So right. it's part story and part research, but mm-hmm. but imagined in the author's mind, I would say. So when it comes to the, the research and sort of thinking about the, the characters and what it would be like at the time, there's a passage in the book wherein Michael and Eileen discuss their observations about the way white people treat Negro yes. people yes. and the similarities they see in that dynamic mm-hmm. and how the mm-hmm. English treat the Irish. Mm-hmm. How did that parallel come into this novel? Well, I really um, was, when I was doing my research on this time period, 18, 1870 is only five years after our Civil War. Mm-hmm. So, and there were a lot of uh, plantations in southern Missouri that used enslaved people. So I wanted a character in the book to be this young black woman who is a free woman, a free young woman, but her mother and grandmother were enslaved people. Mm -hmm. But the Burke sisters have brought her along kind of as their ward. So she, Elaine isn't clear in the beginning. I mean, Eileen. Mm -hmm. But then Eileen sees the way people look at this young woman, the way The visitors who come to the house don't really engage her, even though she seems to be part of the household very much. Mm -hmm. And the looks she gets when she walks with her down the street in St. Louis and tries to go into this mercantile library, which was an actual private library at the time. And I, I wondered if I should put that scene in, but I wanted Eileen to become conscious mm-hmm. that the black people in the United States were rather similar to Irish Catholics in Ireland mm-hmm. because they were not given rights. They were considered second-class citizens. And she's beginning to see, because of her white skin, she can blend in once she loses that Irish accent. Right. 
but that for the for the former enslaved people, that's never going to happen. As a last question here, but perhaps one that opens up, the prologue of the book is very specific. Do you mm-hmm. already have plans to follow up this novel with one about Maggie, Eileen's granddaughter? <laughs> oh, dear, Elaine, you're giving me a big job. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have plans at this time, but Maggie is my mother, Margaret, who was the granddaughter mm-hmm. of um, Ellen. She was Ellen in real life. So um, she gave me that scene. She said when her grandmother was dying, she felt so sad because she could hear her kind of moaning in pain. And my mother did go to Holy Name Catholic School, so that scene in the prologue is based on her. And other people have asked me, why don't you write about your mother sometime? I have written a memoir about my father, Tom O'Shea, but my, and of course my mother's in that book, but I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Well, be sure to let us know if you do, and we'll be following what you do. Marion O'Shea Wernicke is the author of the new novel, Out of Ireland, which publishes this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Elaine. I really appreciate you having me. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.